Welcome to Everyday Strong, the podcast that teaches parents, teachers, and other caring adults how their everyday loving actions can help their teens cope with anxiety and depression. And now, here's our host, United Way of Utah County's Program Director, Michael Ann Gardner. Hi everyone, this is Michael Ann. I'm really excited today to be talking to Megan Gale. She's a recent um, graduate from the School of Family Life at BYU, a master's degree, and she co-authored a study on how social media affects our children. Now, what we really love about this study at Everyday Strong is that it was taking kind of a unique angle. Rather than the typical question about like, are cell phones, you know, destroying our children's mental health. They looked at the way that a relationship with a child, um, how, your, how your parental relationship affects a child's use of mental health, use of social media and their mental health. Um, and of course, at Everyday Strong, we love looking at that dynamic, you know, how, how are our relationships supporting our children and how can we learn to have an even better relationship with them? So Megan, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to be talking with you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you, your background, what you're studying, how you got involved with this. Yeah, for sure. So I, like you said, just recently graduated with a master's degree um, from the School of Family Life. It was a master's in marriage, family, and human development. Um, And that was really fun to work with Dr. Sarah Coyne actually throughout grad school, who studies how media relates to human development. Um, I was able to work on a lot of different projects with her. I actually started working on research with her in 2019. So I was still an undergrad then. Mm. Um, and we worked on a variety of projects about media. Um, so some included how media influences new mothers and their influence, um, how media relates to body image, and then this study, how um, media relates to teenagers and their well-being and social media use. Mm-hmm. Um so that's just a little bit about me. Um, I also just have a little bit of a personal um, research interest in studying adolescent development and well-being in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually got involved with research in 2018, working with another professor in the religion department, and he studies um, adolescent development in the context of family factors, including religiosity mm-hmm. um, and mental health. And I found that I just really loved in. Um, studying how teens develop, but also like what contributes to their well-being and mental health. And um, working with Sarah Coyne, I found that media really is an influencing factor. Yeah, yeah. I love that you have that that background as well. I think it's so interesting to look at all these multi-factors that affect, you know, how how kids are and the ways in which religion in particular can be a such a huge protective factor. Um, there's so much there that I, I find fascinating as well. So it's so great that you're here today. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so let's talk about the literature, you know, with social media use and mental health. There is a lot of talk in our community about this, but what is the latest and best say? Yeah, for sure. Um, There is a lot of talk in the community about Mm -hmm. this. And I think it's a really hot topic because kids are so entrenched in social media and media in general and uh, mental health is all over the place. So Mm -hmm. it's really a hot topic in the literature, in the research community too. 
Um, many like to point to social media as like the root cause mm-hmm. or a big compounding factor in the decline in mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, the literature is actually mixed and not as straightforward as we would like to believe mm-hmm. when it actually comes to the connection between social media and mental health. Um, there's a lot of different factors that need to be taken into consideration. Um, Generally, however, research shows that there's a connection between the amount of time spent on social media Mm -hmm. and worse mental health, Um, with some studies finding that decreasing time on social media actually reduces anxiety and depression and enhances overall well-being. Um, And so that's kind of like the trend in research, but when digging into it a little bit more, there's some factors that we need to take into consideration. So one is that a lot of this research is actually cross-sectional, meaning that the data is collected at only one time point. So no real conclusion can be made that social media use causes poor mental health, or it could be the other way around. Poor mental health actually causes increased social Mm -hmm. media use. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then we also look at in research, oftentimes comparing teens against other teens. And so what are the factors that they have? Um, when it almost might be better to look at individual teens and their own social media use Mm. because of their own family factors, their Mm -hmm. own school environmental factors, or their own personal characteristics, like their own personality. So that's kind of the research in general. Um, but there are some differences within those characteristics. So like, for example, boys versus girls, um, Mm -hmm. research generally finds that girls are more susceptible to the effect of social media on their mental health. Um, And there might be two reasons for this. First, that girls generally start using social media at younger ages than do boys, and they often spend more time on social media. Mm. Um, They're also more affected by the stressors in their relationships, meaning that like when they get in an argument with their friend, um, that really affects them, or they're really affected by like passive aggressive comments from others. So in general, they might be more affected by the negative side of social media, like cyberbullying, for example, than maybe our boys. So that's kind of like the overall picture of what research says about social media and mental health. Yeah, that is that is so interesting. And I really love how you are talking about um, how there are so many other factors that can go into um, the way that our mental health is, you know, um, right. It's it's always that that context, like what the con- what's the context that we're using social media in, and and I'm curious, like if you, I mean, I, I have some thoughts I could soapbox about, but yeah. like, um, like why is it potentially bad to just be like, nope, it's phones, like that's it, that's the be all end all, like 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 what what are the pitfalls of that? Yeah. So like just saying that it's phones and that's the problem or it's just social media and TikTok and Instagram, just all that time, I think is that there's so many other factors to consider. Mm -hmm. What is the home life like? Mm -hmm. What is the relationship with a parent like? Is that in a good place or maybe not? Mm -hmm. Um, Is there stability in the home? Do they go home to an empty house and you know, can only turn to their phone for maybe connection with others. Yeah. And so there's all these different factors that need to be taken into consideration instead of putting a blanket on social media as the cause of everything. So, yeah, I think think it's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I I think we we like run the risk of um, maybe even being unhelpful. Like you just said, if there's a child who's relying on this as sort of like their one source of connection, 
I mean, it's obviously not ideal, but it's better than nothing. And so I like this idea of coming at it with this this nuanced perspective, which feels harder and messier. We just want like the, okay, just tell me what to do. <laughs> but right, right. I don't think it works like that. Yeah, it totally does it. And I think it's more helpful to maybe take a step back and say, okay, what's the bigger picture for maybe this one team that I'm trying to help? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Particularly for listeners of this podcast, right, where we like to be research informed and we like to bring in all of that data and literature, um, but we also want to be super practical. And yeah. so I think this is actually a great time to talk about um, like active versus passive use of social media. I think this is a really helpful principle. What's uh-huh. the difference? Yeah, for sure. This is a really helpful principle, especially for parents because they can see it. Um, So passive social media use is when you just mindlessly scroll on your phone, maybe through your social media feed without really like liking or commenting or interacting at all with other people. Um, Sometimes passive social media use is referred to as lurking. So Mm -hmm. you're just kind of there, right? Mm -hmm. And then active social media use is really trying to be active when you're engaged with media. So you're commenting, you're posting, you're liking, and you're really trying to build a connection with others. Um, Active social media use can actually help solidify media habits and connect and reinforce that connection with others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to kind of ask you next, right? When we think about meeting the everyday strong needs of the need to feel safe, the need to feel connected. It sounds like that active use can actually build some of those social skills we want for our kids. Is that, is that what I'm hearing you say? Totally. Yeah. Um, it's that interacting with the friends online is mm-hmm. what's beneficial. So mm-hmm. if they turn to their social media to connect mm-hmm. and not just to lurk and see what everyone's doing and mm-hmm. then feel bad about yourself, right? It's mm-hmm. that connection of, oh, that's my friend. They're doing this great thing. I'm going to comment on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think about me, for example, when I was a teenager. So um, I started using like, it was actually like, like message boards when I was like 12 or 13. And then uh-huh. Facebook came out when I was a junior. So definitely a digital native here. Um but um, at the time, like I had a little bit of a stutter and I was some level of social anxiety and I could express myself over like instant messenger in a way that I couldn't in person. And totally. I think like I was able to then socialize and interact. And like I had a I had a really thriving social life as well. I think my parents would be surprised to actually hear me say this. But <laughs> I remember just feeling so secure and safe and able to experiment with who I was in that online space. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. The research would totally agree. If you are, if you feel safe and part of that community online, then that really can help you feel like it's a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so grateful I get to be here with you twice a month talking about these big questions and concerns. And I'm especially grateful that our sponsor, Revere Health, makes it possible for us to do this work. We'll be back with more of this interview right after this break. What does it mean to offer the best health care? At Revere Health, we believe it means improving patient health outcomes, keeping costs affordable for you and your family, and being your partner in healthcare decision making. 
With 30 medical specialties, including family medicine, and over 100 clinics throughout Utah, Revere Health is here for you. Revere Health, your partner in health, your partner for life. Find out more at reverehealth.com. Let's talk about um, parents' use. So there's a really fantastic article on the Deseret News that we'll link to in the show notes. Um, I really just, I love this article so much. And it talks about, um, as I sort of mentioned in my intro, parents' use of social media. Tell me about what you learned in, the, in, that, in that study. Yeah, for sure. This was a really cool study. Um, it comprised of teens who lived across the United States, and they varied in ages um, 10 to 17. And then for some of the questionnaires that we collected, we included parents and their answers. So it was a really rich data set that we got a lot of good information from. Um, And what we found was that parent media use is an even stronger predictor of child's mental health than the child's own media use. That's so so interesting. That was our really, really unique finding that we weren't expecting to find. Um, And there's a couple of reasons that this might be. So the first is the amount of time parents spend on social media is really strongly connected to the amount of time their teens spend on social media. Mm-hmm. So it might be that parents actually are creating a culture that make it normative to be on social media in their homes, and then the teens just pick up and emulate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we found a connection between the parents' high social media use, if they were high users, um, to their teens' higher depression rates. And mm-hmm. so this is likely a reflection of the teens also having high social media, right? Because of that mm-hmm. pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like our really big, interesting finding. And then another one was parental technoference, which is a term of like when parents allow technology to interfere with interactions, especially with their children, um, was also an issue for teen depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think um, I always like want to proceed a little carefully here because so many parents I know, like, they're already experiencing a lot of guilt. And then they're like, oh, and like, now I've like destroyed my child's mental health by my own like social yeah. media use, right? And I want to keep bringing it back to like, those needs, right? That like, if you're a parent who's overusing social media, um, like, or, you know, quote, unquote, overusing, using it more than you want to, right? Um, right. You're probably seeking to have your own needs met. There's ways in which you're connecting there, you're feeling anxious, and it's a way to self-soothe. I mean, this is all so human and so natural. And what I kind of conclude from what you just said is that, like, if you don't like how your child is acting, maybe don't start with, like, a lecture or trying to bribe or punish, but, like, Look at how you can change the dynamic in your home first. And that should be hopefully, I mean, it should be hopeful. It should be a little bit like comforting of like, oh, so my kid hasn't responded to me just trying to tell them what to do. I can change myself and then maybe thereby change them. It's a little bit of an extrapolation of what you're saying, but right. I, f- I feel like that's a possible conclusion. Yeah, I think that's a really good conclusion. I think parents are so overwhelmed by their teens media use and Mm -hmm. then they blame that that's a cause like we talked about a minute ago yeah but I think like you said if they internalize and say oh if I change maybe my habits just a little bit Mm -hmm. maybe if I decrease the amount of time I'm on my phone or maybe if I put my phone down when my child is trying to talk to me and Mm -hmm. try to connect with them then those small little like habit changes can really help their teens in ways without lecturing 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I think we we want we all want like an overnight fix. Can't I just like tell oh, my yeah. child what to do and they'll just do it? And that like self-work feels like uh-huh. a lot harder, but maybe more effective. Yeah, for sure. And also it's not just about media, right? And so uh-huh. it's like, what's your relationship with your child in general? And mm-hmm. that was another finding that we had in this study was mm-hmm. it's not just about understanding specific skills related to media management right. in their or their own child's life. It's like, how can they be engaged with their child in all their little interactions with them in yeah. general? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I, I seem to remember a quote from the, the Deseret News article. Um, I think it was just like a teenager saying, like, I, I want to connect with my parent, but they're just like not, they don't seem emotionally present. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting to note um, how many teens aren't sure that their parents have their back or like would actually be there for them. And and I also think that this is so hard as a parent to face that possibility, but mm-hmm. it's it's crucial that I think that you actually have that conversation with your kid and not just assume that, well, of course they know that I would have their back or I would listen if something big happened or because teenagers are starting, I think, developmentally to become more private. And, um, and so I think there's that question of like, do you know what they actually think of the relationship and how do they feel about it? And that's, 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 that's a really hard conversation to have, but you you just don't know until you talk to them. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is that conversation. It's the building relationship little by little. And it mm-hmm. isn't going to be an overnight fix for even a parent's relationship with their teen. But mm-hmm. if they are a little bit more aware of, oh, how do they feel about our relationship? And yeah. what can I do to strengthen that? Even in a little way, that would really make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um did your research show anything in particular about what some of those little things are? Or do you have any insight on that from your other research? Yeah. So, I mean, back to media, I really loved, we asked teens um, what were some of the good ways that parents are using their media to show their teens how to use it well. Oh, cool. Um, and we got a few quotes and I'll just share a couple of those because they were really neat. One was, they give me a good example by their behavior. So that's totally modeling right there. They're seeing what yeah. their parent does and then they can follow that. Another was they lead by example. They don't text and drive. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. They don't allow phones at tables or at, or at dinner or other family times. And then I love this last one. They put family above media. And so mm-hmm. I think when it comes down to it, like we've been talking about, I think it's what are teens feeling maybe is most important to their parents. and if they want to have a good conversation with their parents, is the phone put away? Are the parents mm-hmm. really paying attention? Um, and so that was just one thing that we found in this last study that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, there's something really powerful about, um, I think we've all had one of two experiences, right? Like one experience where you come in to talk to somebody, like whether that's a coworker or a boss or a spouse um, or a family member, and they're like on their computer, right? And they're mm-hmm. or on their phone. They're just like tapping and like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're clearly multitasking, right? Oh, yeah. And it it doesn't feel great. <laughs> and no. versus like when someone like, come, you come in the room and they like churn, they like, 
they like set that, you know, they turn their phone over, they turn off their screen, whatever it is, and they and they turn and look at you. And I think we all know what that feels like. It's sometimes harder to embody though. Right. Yeah. And I think that's not an over one day change of a habit either, no. right? It's no. totally a habit to maybe be on your phone or be on your computer. And um, me just finishing grad school, I realized like when I was with my family and roommates, I need to say, okay, let me finish this one paragraph uh-huh. I'm typing uh-huh. and then I will put it away and pay attention to you. So uh-huh. I think that communication in that aspect really helps too. Yes, yes, yes. I love that so much. Um, I don't know if I have any other questions right now. Anything you can think of that we didn't cover? I don't think so. I think we covered some great things. Just one maybe one more little thing that we found in our study that we just did um, <laughs> was media mindfulness and mm. how parents and teenagers can be mindful with their media use. Uh-huh. Um, I think that influences mental health for teenagers and parents. And um, are you using it for good? Are you trying to connect in those active ways? But also just being mindful and realizing, are you being present with your media or are you being present with people? Um, I think a really good rule of thumb is just when with people, choose people like we were talking about. And so if that's being mindful on the media or mindful in your relationships, I think that just helps the overall parent-child dynamic, but also media and mental health in that whole conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I think this question of mindfulness is so interesting. It's a commonly used word in mental health. Yeah. Um, and I think that I think people sometimes interpret it. I mean, I think sometimes it's like this, you know, like sitting on a on a meditation cushion, like oh, right, uh-huh. or it's or it's like be hyper aware of everything all the time. And for me, the way I apply this word, and I'd love to do a whole episode about mindfulness, but it's just like, am I just noticing what's right in front of me, and then noticing, and then noticing, and yeah. it becomes like a a practice and a way of actually like existing. And I think this is partly what happens with our phones. And I think that multitasking thing is really a classic symptom of that, of we're just trying to like do and be so many things at once instead of just being like right here. Mm-hmm. And that's a great mental health skill for us and for our relationships. Yeah, totally. I would totally agree. And I think it is a buzzword out there in the mental health research community especially Mm -hmm. but I think if we talk about it more within our homes and what it is and what it looks like and then Mm -hmm. parents modeling that behavior I think it can really start changing how we view media and our relationships yeah yeah um I think as kind of like a final question do you have a good memory of a time when you were using media with a loved one that's a great question. Um, you know, I can't think of one specific example, but um, just in general, I think one of my family's connecting, one way that we connect with each other is like watching a weekend movie, right? Uh-huh. And I know that is probably pretty common for a lot of families out there, but I just have really enjoyed growing up in a home where we made that our priority 
Mm-hmm. And that was something fun that my siblings and I would look forward to. And even as adults, I think just finding that one special time to connect. And if you're looking forward to it, I think media can be a powerful way to spend time with another yeah, and make that connection. Thank you so much, Megan, for being on today. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast. If this episode resonated with you, you can check out our free resilience handbooks and online learning at www.everydaystrong.org. These tools tell you exactly what you can do to help the kids in your life feel safe, connected, and confident. You can choose to create a relationship with your children that will help them to learn to be resilient, regardless of the challenges life throws their way.